Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our I Believe God Sermon Series. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Genesis chapter number 50 this morning, and uh, we are coming back into... Uh, a series that we've been going through, the I Believe God series, really just uh, being challenged in faith and challenged in trusting God. And uh, of course, if you were here, have been here for the series, uh, we started the very first week and we looked at the life of Paul. And uh, from Paul, we understood a very simple concept, and that's this, that your faith and my faith, uh, it has an impact on the lives of people around us. And of course, people looked at Paul uh, during some of his circumstances and challenges and things that he was facing, and Paul had a strong faith in God through it all. And of course, we looked at Paul going through that hurricane, Eurocla on and how he, he knew because of God coming to him and God's word, Paul knew that they were going to be safe. And he said, sirs, be of good cheer for I believe God. He, he knew that he was a servant of God and that he followed God and he knew he could trust God. And uh, boy, in the end, that, that faith that Paul had, had a lasting impact, made a lasting impression in the lives of everyone around them. We looked the second week at uh, Abraham and Sarah, and specifically we looked at Sarah, and we understood this truth that every single person who follows God struggles with doubt. Everyone does. We like to put on sometimes the uh, uh, superhero Christianity. Well, no, I've never struggled with doubt. I'm not talking necessarily about doubting your salvation. There's some people here that really don't doubt their salvation and, and have never struggled with that. I'm talking about doubting in our faith steps that you know God is saying, okay, I want you to, I want you to fill in the blank, whatever that, I want you to start doing this. I want you to start reading the Bible. I want you to start tithing, or I want you to uh, start telling people about me. I want you to step up as a husband or wife. And, and we know what God's asked us, to, asked us to do in that faith step. And yet we go, I, I just don't know. I, I, just, I just don't know. I, I, need, I, need my, I need my what ifs answered. And you had Sarah experiencing the same thing. But Hebrews 11.11 shares with us a great truth about Sarah and why she followed God. It says that she judged him faithful. She came to the place that she said this, God, I believe I can trust you and I can follow you because you've never let me down. And she looked at God's track record. And maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, well, I don't have much of a track record to look at. You know, I've only known the Lord for a month or a year. Can I tell you that you have a great track record in the word of God? You have a great track record in the lives of other people. And I believe Sarah looked at that. She understood God's never let my husband down and God's not going to start letting me down. And so she said, I believe God and I know I can trust him even through my doubts. Last week, we looked at three characters. We looked at Azariah, Hananiah, and Mishael, otherwise known as Shadrach, Meshach, and to bed we go. <laughs> Remember, that's what my, my wife always said when she's a little kid, Shadrach, Meshach, and to bed we go, you know, as a little girl. And their name, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And what we saw last week is their faith and their truth to come to this spot. I believe God regardless of the outcome. Remember what happened? King Nebuchadnezzar said, if you don't bow, we're going to throw you into the fiery furnace. 
They weren't bowing. The Chaldeans turned them in and Nebuchadnezzar gives them a second chance. Hey guys, maybe you misunderstood it. Uh, you guys need to bow or I'm throwing you in the fiery furnace. And they said this, we are not quick to respond to you. They said, hey, we've already thought this through. We don't have to have time to deliberate. We already know our answer. And here's our answer, O king. God can deliver us. And ultimately, he will deliver us from you. But even if we die in that fire, we still believe and follow God. And they said, we're going to believe and follow God regardless of the outcome. And you know what? Sometimes in your life and my life, what holds us from taking the steps is the, the doubt that Sarah had, but that doubt that leads us to say, I have to know what's going to happen. If I end up speaking to my coworkers and talking to them about the Lord, what's going to happen? If I end up doing that and giving that and being here or going there or whatever the case might be, if I do that, then what is going to take place? And we found out last week we were encouraged that we need to come to the place where we say, God, regardless of the outcome, I follow you. This morning, we're going to come to Genesis chapter number 50, and it's the story of a man named Joseph. As we get into the series and back into our story this morning, I just want to ask you, how many of you have ever driven and you've come up to one of these signs? Raise your hand. How many of you like these signs? Nobody better have their hand up right now. If you are, I offer counseling because there's something going on. I'm just kidding. You know what? When you're driving down the road, I've never had a time where I'm driving and I come to a road close or a street close or a detour or a do not enter sign. I've never had a time where I'm like, yes, this is awesome. This is just going to make our trip last longer. I get to drive further. I've never rejoiced over it. As a matter of fact, a couple of weeks ago, we were, I was over speaking in Port Orchard on a Friday night, and so we drove over Friday and, and went to dinner with that pastor and, and went to a banquet and spoke there, and then uh, Saturday got up, had breakfast with them, and we left right after lunch, and, and we started heading back. And of course, if you know the drive from the west side, I know it very well because we used to do it all the time. You take 90 to 18 south, 18 south to I-5 south. So if you're coming back, you're doing I-5 north to 18 north to 90 east, and that's, that's the trip. Well, we're coming back. I had just gotten on the 18. I had passed Auburn. Let me know where Auburn is. I'm going north on 18 through Auburn, and uh, we stopped there and got a coffee or something. I forget what we are. No, we're looking for, that's what it was. Something for the couples conference. You need to be there. Anyway, we were driving through Auburn. We stopped, and we uh, uh, took care of what we needed to, and then got back on, and got back on the 18, and I'm heading north. And as I'm heading north on the 18, I get past all of the exits that I could take, and I come to the Issaquah exit. Okay, now, if, if you're like, well, pastor, I have no idea. Okay, let's just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, do a map up here, okay? Here's Moses Lake. Okay, here's Moses Lake. It's right there. You take 90 to the 18. I'm right here at the Issaquah exit, okay? I want to go this way. The Issaquah exit goes that way, back into Seattle. I come to the Issaquah sign. And on the 18, there are these. Road closed. Big signs. No explanation. Road closed. Detour. I'm like, well, I've got this. I have a nifty, nifty little smartphone. 
I have a bunch of map things on here. And these map things are smart. So I get on and I log on. My map, it's, all, it's called Waze. It's supposed to know about road construction. It was telling me, stay on the 18. I'm like, I can't stay on the 18. So I got off on the Issaquah exit. Long, frustrating story made shorter. That way you're not as frustrated as I was. We had to drive up into Issaquah, which is like 20, 20 extra minutes, 30 minutes out of the way, and then drive all the way back over to where the 18 comes in right there at North Bend and, or right before North Bend. And so I ended up adding like what was already a three and a half hour trip, ended up adding like an hour to it. Can I tell you something? I didn't rejoice. <laughs> we weren't in the car like celebrating. Oh, no, I wasn't absolutely mad after, you know, I got over it about the first like 15 minutes. But I was just like, oh, I hate detour signs. You know what? When you're driving and you come to a detour, you come to a road close sign, you have to make a decision. And your decision is going to be one of the two. One, turn back. Turn back. I'm, just, I'm not even going to do it anymore. Turn back. I'm done. I'm just going back, going back to where I came from. Number two, I'm just going to keep going. The detour is not stopping me from getting where I'm going. So I'll follow the detour sign. Pretty soon I'll be back on the path I'm supposed to be on. But we're going to face one of the two decisions. You could make a third, which is just a bypass. That's not, not good. Don't do that. Don't do that. How many of you, I'm not even going to ask how many of you have tried that. I just, I just don't even want to know. One of two decisions. When a roadblock sign or a detour sign comes, I have to make one of two decisions. One, turn back, or two, keep going. As we come back into our series this morning, the simple fact is this, that in a very similar way, we face this decision spiritually in our lives as well. There are going to be times in your life when you are traveling and you are going on what we call the journey of life or the faith journey, if you know Christ is your Savior, and there's going to be times when you're going along following God and things are not going to go your way. You almost hit a detour sign. You almost hit a road close sign. And you're like, God, I, I thought I was doing what you wanted, but here now the door is closing and, and now you're redirecting me. And God, I, I thought if I took that step that you would do this, but now it seems like things are shifting and my life is, is kind of taking a direction that I, I, I was not planning on. When you hit those roadblock signs and those detour signs, you still have two choices. One Stop or turn back. This isn't the way I thought it was going to be. I'm done. I'm done following God. How many of you know someone who's done that? Maybe it was you. Boy, probably a time in our life when, God, this isn't the way I thought it was going to be. I'm done. I'm done following you. I, I turn back. Some make the decision just to stop. Fine then. Fine, God, if you're not going to answer that prayer request, if you're not going to do that, then God, I'm just going to stay right here. But this morning, I want to challenge us with this thought. I want to challenge us today to have the spirit that, God, I will follow you in faith. I will believe God and follow God regardless of the obstacles. No matter what challenges come my way, no matter what detour signs and road close signs come my way, no matter what challenges I face, I choose to follow God. We're going to find a great character and an example of this spirit in Genesis chapter 15. So stand with me if you would, Genesis chapter number 50 this morning. 
Genesis 50, beginning in verse number 15. The character is Joseph, and his story is found in Genesis. And we're going to come in at the end of his life. And here's what we read about Joseph. Genesis chapter 50 and verse 15. And when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin. For they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. His brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not. Am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Now, therefore, fear ye not. I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. Of course, the story we're reading is at the end of Joseph's life. We're going to go through, and for those that might be unfamiliar with Joseph, we're going to recap some things in his life. But it's in this passage that we find Joseph's heart and his faith in God throughout everything. And it's specifically in verse number 20, and I want you to see it with me again. Because Joseph said this, But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. To bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. You know what? Through all of the challenges and the the roadblocks and the obstacles and the detours that Joseph faced, through all of it, Joseph had this spirit. Regardless of what came my way, I chose to trust God. And I pray this morning after the service that we will determine to have that in our heart as well. Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed and just commit the time to the Lord. And with your heads bowed and eyes closed, why don't you take a minute and just ask the Lord to speak to your heart. Make a commitment this morning that if he speaks to you, that you'll listen to him and that you'll respond to him. Thank you for the day. Thank you for the word of God. And I pray that you would help us this morning as we open up scripture. I pray, Lord, that you'd speak to us. I humble my heart before you, Lord, and I recognize that I need you. And I desire for you to just work in my life once again and use today to help us grow in you and be challenged by your word. Lord, if there is someone in our midst today that does not know you as Savior, I pray that they would trust you. And Lord, for everyone here that is a follower of Christ, that we'd be challenged today that regardless of the obstacles we face, that we will follow you and believe, trusting every step you asked us to take. Bless our time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want you to go ahead and be seated. And I want you to take your Bible this morning. We're going to kind of be around a lot of passages. I will highlight a few and read a few. But we're going to be from Genesis 37 all the way to Genesis 50. And so you say, Pastor, that's a long... I only have two points in the message today. There's like 15 sub points on one of them. But there's only 
two points. I want to start this morning by looking what I'm going to call Joseph's obstacles. I want us just very quickly to look through Joseph's life. If you were to go to Genesis and chapter number 37, we would be introduced to this character, Joseph. Go with me, if you will. Genesis 37, verse number two. Genesis 37, verse two. Here's what the word of God says. It says, these are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And uh, Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel, this would be his father, Jacob, loved Joseph more than all his children because he, Joseph, was the son of his, Jacob's old age. And he, Jacob, made him, Joseph, a coat of many colors. And when his brethren, Joseph's brethren, saw that their father loved Joseph more than all of Joseph's brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream. And he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. As you come to Joseph's life very early on, and I do not have time to elaborate upon the point, but when you read about Joseph, we already know that Joseph comes into life. He's one of his father's favorite because uh, uh, because of his mother. And of course, she has died and passed off the scene, having given birth to Benjamin. But when you look at at Joseph and Jacob's relationship, it caused the brethren to hate Joseph. But what caused them to hate him more, and we'll see this again in just a second, is the fact that he had a dream. Now, when you and I read this phrase, he had a dream, he, he had some dreams, we think, okay, so he like fell asleep and he dreamed this thing and those dreams are what he shared with his brothers. Okay, it's kind of like that, but on a spiritual level, when you go to the book of Genesis, people who had a dream, when it uses that phrase, they had a dream, it means they were given a vision from God. Oftentimes, you have to read the context and read the story, and in this passage, that's what it means. God, in some way, spoke to Joseph, Joseph, here is my plan for you. Joseph, here is the steps of faith I'm going to ask you to take. And so Joseph had a vision. He had some goals. He had some faith decisions that God made very clear in his life. Now, if you know the story, the dreams that Joseph had were that one day his family would bow before him, pretty much saying that someday his family was going to be completely... Now, all of the family got mad about it. And from this point on, we see Joseph facing a ton of challenges. So I want you to take it, and you have your notes page. If you want to take notes, you can. If not, just follow along. Very quickly, I want us to go through, and I want us to see what transpired after Joseph had this dream. I see what transpired was really just a life of obstacles. Let's go through them very quickly. Challenge number one, Joseph was hated He had hatred from his family. Joseph had hatred from family. Genesis 37, 4, when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him. Joseph was hated, not because of actions on his own part, but simply because his father loved him. Because his father loved him more than his brethren. Now, I wouldn't recommend that in life. I hope you should love your children equally. But in this case, Jacob loved Joseph a little more because of the relationship that Jacob had with his father. And so, Jacob loved Joseph and his brethren hated him for it. Now, some of you here, you'd say, well, I kind of know what that's like. 
And I don't mean that in a sarcastic way. I mean, there are some people here that you would probably look at your, your family relationship and you would say, you know, there's some tension in my family. There might be some hatred in my family. You might know what that's like. Well, can I tell you, my family, we're, we're all pretty close. We're all pretty close. But there's been times when we haven't liked each other. I think that's in every family, isn't it? But you know what? In those times when, in times when your family is not operating as a family, it's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge in the home when you know things aren't right. Those of you married couples out there, every married couple has times of disagreement. Every married couple has times when they're kind of at ought with each other. Let me ask you, would you rather have a time of peace or a time of discord in the home? Man, time of peace, wouldn't we? Joseph faces this challenge. Challenge number one, the hatred of family. Challenge number two, envy from family. Not only is he hated by them, but now they're jealous of him. Look with me at the verse, Genesis 37, 11, It says this, and his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying. Joseph recalls the dream. He tells his brothers the dream. And uh, the reason we know and the reason we can understand that the context of the passage is leading us to see that it was a vision sent from God is because I don't know too many people that just get mad when someone shares a dream with them. Like our kids, they share their dreams all the time with us. And they're funny. (laughs) Except for the ones that I die in. We had one, Micah, a few, a few, it was a month ago or something like that. Micah was like, Dad, I've had the same dream like two days in a row. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, tell me about it. He's like, well, we're here at the house, and like this monster comes in. And, and I forget how, you know, I forget the dream, but it was like this monster comes in, and, and you go to defend us. And I was like, and do I win? He's like, no. <laughs> you, you get killed. He's like, of course, then I come in. I'm like, yeah, of course, you're their own superhero of your own story. You know, when he shared that dream, I wasn't like, oh, I'm so jealous. I'm so envious that you would have this dream. Why? Because it's just, it's just a mind game. In the passage, Joseph wasn't just having mind games, and they knew it. They knew God had spoken to him. They knew God had given him a vision. They knew God had given him a direct connection. Joseph, here's my plans for you. And so they were envious because of his, I believe this, because of Joseph's relationship with God, they were envious at the relationship with the father Jacob and envious with the relationship of the father Jehovah God. They knew, and so they hated Joseph for his relationship with Jacob, and then they were envious. They were jealous of his relationship with God the Father. Man, have you ever had somebody in your life that that you you know they're just kind of jealous of something in your life? Now, maybe you wouldn't be like, well, yeah, they're jealous of me. But in all honesty, we all have times when we know there might be somebody a little envious of something in our life or a, a, a friendship or relationship that we might have. And I watch those people treat me differently. I know somebody specifically that I can, uh, I think of right now. And again, this is not like a braggadocious thing, but his, his outlook toward me, and I don't know why, but his outlook toward me is like, I don't like you because of some jealousy that's there. And I'm, I'm sitting there going, man, I would rather have peace in our relationship, and I would rather that be a better relationship. But you know what? Envy, envy can ruin a relationship. There might be people envious of you, but no doubt you've been envious of someone else, haven't you? 
Man, we've all been there. And that doesn't bring harmony to a friendship or a relationship. It just is another challenge. All right, so here's Jacob. Challenge number one, hated by family. Challenge number two, envy from family. Challenge number three, ridicule from family. Now that hatred and that envy, it turns into ridicule. And you can go uh, to Genesis 37, 8. In Genesis 37, 18 through 20, we won't read them for time's sake, but his brethren make fun of him. They make fun of his dreams. They, they, they call him the dreamer. Oh, hey, here's that goody two-shoes Joseph. Hey, here's, here's daddy's favorite. Hey, here's the dreamer. Hey, here's the one with goals. Hey, and they begin to ridicule him and make fun of him and mock him. The old adage, words that stir, uh, uh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's a lie. It's a lie. Sticks and stones hurt and words hurt. But you know the truth? Sometimes words hurt a little bit deeper than sticks and stones do, don't they? Man, that ridicule that comes, that's a big challenge. A challenge in Joseph's life. Hatred from family, envy from family, ridicule from family. Fourth, he gets sold by his family. They hate him to the point that his brothers team up on him and they desire, Genesis 37, 28, they, sell, they desire to sell him to a group traveling by for 20 pieces of silver. They sell their brother. 20 pieces of silver. Can you imagine what's going through Joseph's life during that time? I mean, can you imagine the hurt and the heartache that he was feeling? Being betrayed by his brothers. All the envy is one thing. The hatred's one thing. The ridicule's one thing. But for them to... They, they took him, they threw him in a pit, they were going to kill him, but then Reuben stands up and says, no, don't kill him, let's just, just hang on to him, and Reuben was going to go and rescue him, deliver him to his father, but the other ten brethren, or nine brethren, Benjamin really wasn't old enough to do anything, so the other nine brethren, they throw him in this pit, and then a group of Midianites come by, and Ishmaelites come by, these travelers, merchant men traveling to Egypt, and they think, hey, why kill him, let's make a profit off of him. And so they sell their own sibling. Some of you are like, I wish I could have done that. I have a sibling I would have sold. We may joke about it, but in all honesty, wow. Can you imagine how, can you imagine how hard of a relationship that would be that your own sibling would, would want to sell you? I don't know about you, but that's a challenge. Can I tell you that any follower of God being sold by their family would probably make you want to not be a follower of God? God, if, if I'm following you and I, I know you have these goals and these dreams for me and here my family's selling me. Can you imagine Joseph going, God, where are you? God, why are you letting me down? Challenge number five, he's then bought as a slave. Twice, maybe even three times. Sold by his brethren and they didn't say, hey, here's our brother they sold him as a slave, and so he was bought as a slave. Do you know what that means? That means that Joseph's life immediately went from freedom to bondage. It immediately went from able to make my own choices and go my own places and do my own thing and have control of my own life to now I control nothing in my life except for my emotions. Now I will be told everything. Now Joseph will be beat. 
Now Joseph will be uh, scourged. Now Joseph will be ridiculed by masters. Now Joseph will be bossed around. Now Joseph is going to have to endure everything that a slave would endure. That would be challenging. That'd be challenging. maybe, Maybe we can't wrap our minds around it right now, but that would be a challenging dynamic to go from freedom to slavery in the midst of one day. In the morning, you woke up free. In night, you go to bed a slave. He journeys with these Ishmaelites or Midianites. He journeys with them from Israel to Egypt. But Joseph, traveled as, he traveled as a slave. You know what that means? That means he walked in chains behind a, a wagon for a day a day and a half, maybe two days, barely stopping to do, you couldn't stop to do, you couldn't just stop. If you stopped, you'd get drugged. So he's bought as a slave. Once he gets into Egypt, challenge number six, now he's sold as a slave. You say, well, wait, wasn't he already sold by his family? Yeah, but he was sold as a brother. That hurts. Now he's sold as a slave. Now the people who took him from from his home who might have maybe had a, an, an ounce of, of knowing who he was or something like that, now that's completely gone. And he sold, Genesis 39, he sold into the life of a man, a merchant man by the name of Potiphar. It actually takes place at the very end of Genesis 37. Genesis 38 highlights the life of Judah, of, uh, of uh, Joseph's, one of Joseph's brothers. And then 39, chapter 39, you get right back in the life of Joseph. He sold to a man by the name of Potiphar. If you were to go to Genesis 39, you would find that Potiphar was an officer of Pharaoh. He was captain of the guard, the word of God says. And so Joseph is sold as a slave, and he's made, challenge number seven, a servant in Potiphar's house. Now, when he gets into the Potiphar's house, the Bible says that the Lord was with him, and Potiphar had favor on Joseph, and so Joseph kind of moved up in ranks and became second in command in Potiphar's house. And while we might look at that and say, okay, so things are looking up a little bit for Joseph, we still have to remember that Joseph is still a slave. He's a servant. He's now in bondage. He's going to now have to serve. And and in Joseph's mind, there really is no way out. But the story tells us that Joseph, he is blessed of God. He does move up in rank until challenge number eight. What's challenge number eight? Well, he's falsely accused. He's falsely accused. You can read the story, Genesis 39, 10 through 19. Joseph's going about his work, and Potiphar's wife takes a liking to Joseph. And she begins to try to entice him. Hey, Joseph, come and be immoral with me. Joseph, come and have relationship with me. Joseph, come and commit adultery with me. Joseph, come. And and she begins to press him, the Bible says, every day. Joseph at this time would be probably in the age of um, probably 19 years old. 19 to 22, somewhere in there. But the Bible says that Joseph resisted her every day. He said, no, how could I sin against, how can I sin against God and how could I sin against Potiphar? He's been good. Joseph said, no, ma'am, I'm going to resist sin and keep my focus on God. I follow God. I believe God. And through challenge number eight, Joseph still keeps that focus on the Lord. Well, he's falsely accused because 
He comes in one day and she's there and she's ready for him. And she takes a hold of him. And the Bible says that she took his garment, his coat, because he fled from her. And I love the phrase and working it with kids at a, at a camp or something like that. It says he got him out. Man, he ran. He took off. And with kids, I'll just throw my coat off and just go running through the... I'm not going to do that this morning. I'm a little tired. It's a hard workout today. I got up. <clears throat> uh, he, he fled. He got him out. He goes through and he runs out. And well, if you know the story, Potiphar, Potiphar's wife screams. The guards come in and she says, look, our masters brought the Hebrew in to mock us and he tried to rape me. Wait till the master gets home. Potiphar comes home and she says, you brought the Hebrew boy in to mock us and he tried to rape me. And without any questioning, Potiphar grabs him and Joseph, he's falsely accused. He didn't do that, but that leads to challenge number, challenge number nine. Joseph is falsely imprisoned. Genesis chapter number 40, he's thrown in prison. And in prison, the Bible tells us that he's there, falsely accused, one probably wondering, God, again, where are you? But he keeps trusting the Lord, keeps following God. Well, the Lord blesses Joseph, and he promotes him in the prison, and Joseph becomes of value to the lead guard, and Joseph basically becomes free within the prison. He gets the keys. Now he is going to minister or serve the other prisoners, and Joseph becomes one that, that can walk through the prison and have free reign, and he's still a prisoner, but he's, he's falsely imprisoned, and he's still there, but he has a little bit of freedom. Well, you know the story. While he's in jail, while he's in prison, Pharaoh's baker and butler get thrown in prison. They both have dreams. Joseph comes to greet them one day, and he says, "Hey, what's wrong? What's bothering you?" They say, "We've had, we've been given dreams from God. From we've been given dreams that we don't know what they mean." And Joseph said, "Do not dreams belong to the Lord?" And he interprets their dreams. He tells them what what God was trying to say. He says to them, "Hey, uh, the baker, your dream means that you're going to die." <laughs> And Butler, your dream means that you're going to be restored to your job again. The funny thing is, he actually told the butler the dream first, like you're going to be restored again. And the baker's like, ooh, cool. If he's going to be restored, my dream has to mean something nice. So here's my dream, Joseph. Joseph goes, oh. Um, that's a good, that, that's a dream too. Yeah. Yeah, there is an interpretation to that. I don't know what Joseph did, but what do you say? Hey, you're about to live. Your dream means you're going to die. And so those dreams, you know what happened? They came true. But that brings us to challenge number 10. What is it? Joseph was forgotten in prison. He, he told the butler, hey, remember me when you come into, when you go back into office, remember me. But the Bible says in Genesis 40, 23, yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph but forget him. And Genesis 41, 1 tells us that two years passed by. I don't know about you, but I would have some serious bitterness issues going on during that time. Like, why didn't he say anything? I helped him. I interpreted his dream. I mean, and Joseph is there forgotten. Those two years pass, and we come to challenge number 11. The Pharaoh has a dream. When the Pharaoh has a dream, the butler remembers, oh, there was this guy in jail that helped me with my dream. Maybe he can help you with yours. And so they call Joseph up, and they use Joseph to interpret a dream with nothing promised in return. 
Here's what took place. Joseph is there. The Pharaoh says, here's my dream. But he didn't say, hey, if you interpret my dream, I'll help you. He basically said, interpret my dream. And Joseph is called upon to serve the Pharaoh, nothing in return, nothing promised in return. I think that'd be a challenge in the sense that Joseph is probably wondering, well, they're just going to throw me back in the dungeon. Probably going to kill me if I get this wrong. I just, probably frustrated. Well, regardless of what was going to happen, Joseph allows God to use him in the life of Pharaoh and he interprets the dream. God blesses, Joseph's promoted. Genesis 41, 37 through 40 tells us about his promotion. But in the middle of that blessing and that promotion comes what I see as the final challenge, challenge number 12, and that's the fact that he sees his family again. After 13 years, Genesis 42, 3, Joseph's 10 brethren went down to buy corn into Egypt. And verse 6 says, Joseph was the governor over the land, and he it was that sold to all the people of the land, and Joseph's brethren came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the earth. And Joseph saw his brethren and knew them, but made himself strange unto them, spake roughly unto them, and they, at the end of it, they did not know that it was him. They didn't know it was Joseph. And so now he's there seeing his family again after 13 to 15 years, challenged with, do I forgive them? You say, Pastor, why do we go through all of that? Let me ask you, what a life. I mean, can you imagine going through all of those circumstances, facing the rejection and, and uh, 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 um, uh, hatred of your own family, being sold and sold again, falsely accused, falsely imprisoned, forgotten, used? I mean, really, what an incredibly tragic series of circumstances in Joseph's life. I mean, I don't think that Joseph, through all of this, I don't think when all of it started in Genesis 37, I don't think this is what Joseph had in mind when God came and told him, here's my plan for you. When God came, hey, Joseph, I have a plan for you. I don't think Joseph thought, oh, okay, that plan is going to include getting sold and being uh, beaten and going to jail and, and being uh, the, the next in line to Pharaoh. I, I don't think that. I don't think he ever, ever thought that. I don't believe he thought maybe in year five or six that his dreams were going to come true. And yet, Joseph was still given a plan of God. He faced obstacles and challenges. And yet, he still trusted God. And I just want us to understand this morning that you and I, we may not face the roadblocks or the detours that Joseph faced, but every single person still faces challenges in life. We still face detours and roadblocks. We still have things that we look at and say, God, this isn't the way I thought it was going to be. But before we finish this morning, as we wrap up, I want us to see Joseph's outlook. Joseph's outlook. As we read about Joseph going through all of these events and circumstances, I can't help but wonder what was Joseph feeling. I mean, how would you continue after facing what he faced? But I will tell you that we don't have to wonder for long because as you get to the end of Joseph's life, we discover that his decisions reflect what was in his heart the entire time. At the end, when his brothers are standing before him, 
He continually chooses to forgive them. And in Genesis 45, you find Joseph revealing himself to his brothers. And I want you to notice what he says to them. Because it reveals Joseph's heart the entire time. Genesis 45, verse 4 and 5. Joseph said unto his brethren, come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. You know what happened? Joseph, at the end of his, uh, this is the middle of his life, he chose to forgive and he chose to point to God. Why did he do that? Because he was trusting God every step of the way. He was saying to them, hey, listen, God was in charge the entire time. I trusted and God has worked. Don't be displeased. Don't be sorry. Don't be angry with your decision. He says, God did send me. That phrase, God did send me, it means this. God directed my path and was leading the entire time. God was leading me the whole time. And at the end of Joseph's life, we read what we read just a moment ago in Genesis 50. We won't, take, we won't read it for time's sake, but he said this. He said, am I in the place of God? You thought it for evil, but God meant it to good. And at the end of his life, Joseph is actually hurt and he's saddened by the fact that his brothers, they still don't get it. Their fathers died. Genesis 50 is when Joseph is almost to his deathbed. And we look and they, 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 they just don't understand it. And they come in and they make up a lie. Hey, dad said, don't kill us. And Joseph weeps before him. He says, you just don't get it. I've told you the entire time that God had a plan. And yes, it hurt. And yes, it wasn't what I planned. And yes, it didn't go the way I thought it would. But God was in control and I trusted God. He almost tells them, God used your wicked choices and it brought out something good. You know, Joseph knew, Joseph knew, like our series in Esther, that God was working behind the scenes the whole time and he chose to trust God. What, a, what an incredible testimony and outlook. I mean, through every one of those trials, through every one of those challenges, you know what Joseph just did? He just chose to follow God. He chose to believe God. He just simply had this thought, no matter what challenges I face, I will follow God. But can I tell you this morning, the main key why Joseph trusted and followed God through all of this it was his relationship with God. You see, Joseph, through everything, kept a close relationship with God through every single thing he faced. A number of years ago, I did the study for a camp, and I did the math. Let me just give it to you very, very quickly. At age 18 or so, this is said of him, that the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. Age 25, the Lord was with Joseph. Age 27, God uses Joseph to interpret dreams and he says, do not dreams belong to God. Age 30, God uses him once again. And Pharaoh says, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the spirit of God is. Age 39 or 40, Genesis 45, verse number five, God sent me to preserve you. Early to mid 40s is Genesis chapter 50, verse number 20. You thought it evil against me, but God meant it to good. Around the age of 110, right before he dies, Genesis 50, verse 25, Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel saying, God will surely visit you and ye shall carry my bones up from hence. You know what happened? The key in Joseph, listen, the key in Joseph trusting God was his relationship with God every single time. Joseph's outlook was that God was in control and I can trust him because he is in control no matter the obstacle. But you know why Joseph trusted God? 
because Joseph knew God. He had a relationship with God. And his outlook was affected by his relationship with God. Now, as we close this morning, let me just connect this with me and you. As you and I travel through life and follow God by faith, there are going to be times when it seems that we face a detour sign. Times when we're traveling the direction a faith decision is taking us, and it's not going how we planned. Time when those obstacles of a faith step are not what we thought they would be. Times when you ask yourself, did I make the right choice because I did not see this coming? I can think of many times of those in our life. But through the series, I've been trying to share with you some stories of our church early on. And I'm thinking of one story in particular of a time in our life when this was true. It was a story early on in the church when the church was still uh, just in its, what you would title, infancy years, just being a baby church. And the attendance was good, but at that time, the offerings were not. And it was a time when money was short. And of course, we were trying to become, if you don't know church planting, other churches help support a church plant like we're doing with Brother Mike and Miss Rebecca going to Ridgepoint, and, and they're funded from other things. But there comes a time when you want the church to become self-supporting. That means that the church can like pay its own bills. Up until that point, you're on what I call church planting welfare. That's what it was. Everybody else was paying for us to be here. Well, we were really praying that God would bless our church and work in our church. And I remember one month that it came down that we had some bills due. And for the sake of time, I won't give you all the story. We had some bills due. And it was a weekend. And I thought, God's going to bless. And this Sunday, there'll just be, you know, there'll be a great offering to help pay these bills. Sunday came and went, and there wasn't a great offering. And on Monday morning, I looked at the church's checking account, and I had a decision to make. The church had just voted as a church family and, and some of the men to begin paying us a salary. Up until that point, it was just all those churches helping us. And that week, I had a decision to make. I take a salary check or we pay the bills. And I remember looking at that thinking, God, you called us here. Why does it have to be one or the other? Why can't it be both? And I remember Hannah and I talking, and I, I can remember not the conversation. They feel like God wants us to not take, a, not take a paycheck. And we'll just try to make it to next week and see what happens. She said, I feel the same way. So we didn't take a paycheck. We ended up just paying the bills and just let it go. And can I tell you, in that moment, I'm not telling you that so you'd be like, oh, pastor, we're still proud of you. I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you because in my life, at that moment, I was thinking that thought. Did I make the right choice? because I didn't see this coming. And I'd love to say the next week it was double and we got to do it. We got to take both, both weeks of paychecks. But it wasn't. We still struggled. And there was a few years where the church just struggled along. And there's still times when the church still just struggles along. It's just like your life and my life, right? We just kind of, the Bible says it this, we just kind of go step to step. Faith step to faith step. And in that moment, I was thinking, this is an obstacle I didn't, see. I didn't see, but you know what God said? Dennis, I saw it. Will you trust me through it? And can I tell you, I'm so thankful that I chose to trust God through it. Oh, not because there was just some great miraculous answer to prayer. No, because I've seen God be faithful. God's been faithful to our church. 
God's been faithful to me. God's been faithful to our family. And can I just say this morning that regardless of what comes your way, you are going to hit detour signs and roadblock signs, and you are going to have to choose. Here's what you're going to have to choose. Turn back, stop, turn back, or just keep following God. You know what Joseph did? 12 challenges, 12 obstacles, and there were more. You know what Joseph did? He just kept following God. He just said, I believe God, regardless of the obstacles, I trust him. I just want to ask you, will you choose to follow God regardless of the obstacles? Hey, regardless of the challenges that come after you witness to somebody, regardless of the challenges that come after you uh, step up in the home and are trying to be the husband or the wife, after you give that, after you go there, after you say that, regardless of what happens, will you just choose to say, God, I believe you and I trust you regardless of the obstacles? No matter what I face, God, I'm following you. No matter what I face, God, I'm believing you. No matter what I face, God, I trust in you. Because the fact of the matter is that when you come to those, when you come to those obstacles, you're going to have to make a choice. And when obstacles come, what will you do? You say, well, pastor, I'd really love to be the one that says, I'm going to follow God. Well, then you got to remember the key. You don't follow somebody that you don't know. You want to know why Joseph followed God? Because he knew him. He spent time with him. Can I tell you this morning that there's, there's not many things that please God more than when you spend time with him. He's a loving God that says, I want you to spend time with me. I want you to wake up and talk with me. I want you to open up my word and let it speak to you. God says, I want a loving, I I love you. I want that relationship with you. So you know what needs to happen is you and I need to make the decisions to say, all right, God, I'll be close to you. Because when we're close to God, you know what we do? We follow him. Because we trust him. Because we know him. I want to ask you this morning, if you know Christ as your Savior, will you make the decision, I'm going to get close to him. Why? That way I can follow him regardless of the obstacles. But this morning, you might be here and you might not know God. And so I ask you a simple question. Do you know if you died today that you'd go to heaven? Are you 100% sure if you died that you'd spend eternity with him? If you're here this morning and you don't know that Jesus Christ is in your life, you don't know that you'd spend eternity with him, I want to tell you that this morning... He loves you. He cares for you. He died on the cross for you so that you could have a relationship with him. And all you have to do is put your faith and trust in him. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.